the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. NMLS number 3030 edition. The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. God didn't save Daniel from the lion's den. He saved Daniel in the lion's den. God didn't save David from the valley of the shadow of death. He walked with David through the valley of the shadow of death. It's been well said. God sometimes calms the storms, but most of the time he calms his children in the storm. That's what we're learning about here. In Psalm 46, we read, Be still and know that I am God. Those words offer the perspective we need to face personal struggles, national crises, and even global terrorism. That's our subject today on Know the Truth with our teacher, Philip DeCourcy. Philip has taken us to some powerful verses that anchor our hope in God, who promises to be our refuge and our strength. We're in the last week of our Maximum Security series, and today's message is called, Keep Calm and Carry On. I like the story of the man who goes to his neighbor's house to borrow a lawnmower. And on the way over, he begins to rehearse in his mind, you know what? I really don't know this guy that well. And I want to ask him for a lawnmower. And you know what? The more I think about it, maybe he will not be predisposed to lend me his lawnmower, and that's going to be embarrassing. In fact, as I really think about it, he's a crotchety kind of character he's probably going to say no. And as the nearer he got to the door, the more he worked himself up into a frenzy, so much so that when he wrapped the door and the neighbor opened the door, he blurted out, I don't want to borrow your lawnmower anyway. (laughs) Now, I like the story because it kind of illustrates that you and I can work ourselves up into a tizzy, into a frenzy, into a state of panic and fear. We can focus on the wrong things. We can begin to multiply the anxieties in our mind to a point of great fear and frenzy, as we see in the story. We can anticipate the worst, which leaves us feeling hopeless and desperate. And that's why Psalm 46 is such a pressing and helpful passage for us to come to, because its message is one of be still don't fear. Give whatever situation you're going through into God's hands. In fact, this is what's called a psalm of trust. It's written to encourage trust in God. As we turn to Psalm 46, we encounter a section of Scripture which tells us to keep calm and carry on. 
In the face of natural disaster, in the face of national peril, you and I, as the ancient people of God, can remain fearless. We can be still. We can be calm because the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. We can fortify our souls against fear by taking refuge in God. We can calm down by looking up. As I said, this is a psalm of great confidence in God. It's a psalm or a song of trust. It's to engender in us and the people of God an unwavering confidence that's anchored in the reality that God is with his people and that God is a sufficient source of protection no matter the time and no matter the troubles that we face. So let's keep calm and carry on. Let's be still and know that he is God in all matters large and small in all matters personal and national, in all matters national and international. Now, let me paint in the background. I think when we understand the background, it adds color and drama to the foreground. Who is being addressed? And when was this said? God is your refuge and strength and ever present help in time of trouble. Don't fear. When was this said, be still and know that I am God? Well, most commentators agree, and I agree with most commentators, that the background of Psalm 46 is God's deliverance of the people of Israel during the time of Sennacherib's invasion of Judah and the besieging of the city of Jerusalem. Now, if you want to read the story, go to 2 Kings 18 and 2 Kings 19. This psalm is written in celebration of God's deliverance. It's BC 701. Sennacherib and the Assyrian army have been working their way down to Israel. Cities and countries have fallen before them like ten pins. They are now at the gates of Jerusalem. And the commander of the Assyrian army on behalf of King Sennacherib warns the citizens of Jerusalem that they have only got so much time to surrender. He basically reminds them, you know what? You're only one of several nations we have invaded and several cities we have destroyed, and you're not going to stop us. So you need to look at what's been happening and make a wise decision. Some of you are going to die, but maybe if you surrender, not all of you need to die. In fact, he sends a letter of all that intent to King Hezekiah, who's reigning in Judah. And if you go to the Bible, you've got that passage that tells us that King Hezekiah goes before God in the temple. He's anxious, he's fearful, and he spreads the matter before the Lord. Love that phrase. That's what you need to do in life, by the way. Turn your panic into prayer. Whatever's eating at you, whatever's bugging you, whatever's attacking you, whatever's disturbing you, you spread it before the Lord. And there is Sennacherib, and hundreds of thousands of Assyrian soldiers outside the city walls. And inside you have King Hezekiah in the temple asking God to deliver them. And God does. In fact, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 19, you'll read in verses 35 and 36, when the people of God got up the next morning, that's the morning after Hezekiah prayed, there were all dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. He had had enough because your arms are always too short when you're boxing God, okay? And so he leaves, and he leaves 185,000 dead soldiers behind him. That happened during the night. And maybe, 
Verse 5 in Psalm 46 alludes to that. God is in the midst of her. That's the city of God, the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of the dawn. And God proves himself to be their refuge and strength. God proves himself to be indeed sovereign over the nations. That's the background, and we need to keep it in mind. And here's the thing for you and me. This is a psalm written to an ancient audience We're putting it somewhere around B.C. 701. We're putting it into the context of the invasion of Judah by Sennacherib and the Assyrian army. We're putting it in the context of God's divine deliverance at that time. But while it has an ancient audience, it has a modern ring, a modern resonance to it. Because the Middle East is on fire. America has been fighting a protracted war against jihadists at home and abroad for decades, and there's no end in sight. Added to that, the money markets are rising and falling like a roller coaster. The global economy is sluggish. People are pessimistic about the future. These are uncertain days. Added to that, the church is being persecuted increasingly across the world. More martyrdoms are taking place today than ever before. This may be to an ancient audience, but it has a modern ring to it. We need to find a refuge And we need to find strength and we need to settle our souls and be calm, knowing that God indeed is still sovereign. There is only one safe place and it is in God's presence. Martin Luther had his own fears and his own foes during the Protestant Reformation. And he used to go to Psalm 46 again and again and again for rest and for refuge and for refreshment. So much so he wrote his own hymn about it. You've sang it. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. That's Psalm 46. In fact, when he was disturbed and discouraged, depressed and downcast, he would often say to his friends, friends, come, let us sing Psalm 46. And you're being invited to come sing Psalm 46, to raise up a song of confidence in the sovereignty and sufficiency of God for his people. So let's turn to our text. There's three things we're going to see, and that is verses 1 to 3, what I'm calling the refuge, verses 4 to 7, the river, verses 8 to 11, the rest. Now we're at the end of our series we looked at several passages, and we've come up with what I'm calling maxims for maximum security. We've been challenged to pray for inner peace and calm. We've been challenged to expect suffering as a Christian. We've been challenged to believe in the goodness of God in the face of bad things. We've been challenged to keep a prophetic perspective on the Middle East. We've been challenged to identify and engage the real enemy, Satan. We've been challenged to exercise our right to self-defense. We were reminded to look to our government to defend us through military force. And the final maxim for maximum security is this. Remember, security is the presence of God. Remember that security is the presence of God. I've said this often. I learned it as a police officer in Northern Ireland where I was more likely to be killed off duty than on duty, that security is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God. And that's the theme of Psalm 46. He's our refuge when the mountains shake and the waters swell. He's our river in the midst of circumstance in which we're being besieged. 
He's telling us to be still in the context of spears and bows and chariots and war. And it's something you and I need to remind ourselves that, biblically speaking, security is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God in the midst of danger. I love Psalm 23, verse 5. He spreads a table before me, what? In the presence of my enemies. He doesn't always remove the enemy. It's been well said. God sometimes calms the storms, but most of the time he calms his children in the storm. That's what we're learning about here. God didn't save Daniel from the lion's den. He saved Daniel in the lion's den. God didn't save the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. He saved them in the fiery furnace. God didn't save David from the valley of the shadow of death. He walked with David through the valley of the shadow of death. I like what Derek Tidball says about Psalm 46 and especially verse 10, which we tend to quote in almost contemplative terms, you know. This is the language of the monastery. Be still. You know, we want it to be tranquil and quiet, but that's not the context of Psalm 46. Listen to what this guy says. This is a verse not for the contemplative monk so much as for the harassed mother with restless children the busy executive with pressing decisions, the teacher in the classroom with uncontrollable teenagers, the factory floor worker in a noisy assembly plant, the missionary in an alien religious culture where they're not welcome. I think that's right. It's there. It's then that we need to be still and know that He is God. Security is not the absence of danger, it's the presence of God. So let's jump into our text. Number one, what I'm calling the refuge. This is verses 1 to 3. You'll see the selah after verse 3. It's a kind of breathing moment in the singing of this by the choir. I think the theological point is to reflect on what you've heard before you go any further and into the psalm. So here's a natural break. And in verses 1 to 3, we see the refuge. Now remember, If we're correct, the siege of Jerusalem by Sennacherib and the Assyrian army is the background. It's a time of great upheaval. It's a time of great upset. Everything is being turned on its head. In fact, that's the language of verses 2 and 3, isn't it? Even though the earth be removed, the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, the waters roar and be troubled, the mountains shake with the swelling. The images there are of earthquakes and storms. Now, the question for us is, are they literal? Or are they poetic? I would make the argument they're poetic for a couple of reasons. One, there really are no mountains by the Israeli coast that fall into the sea. And the magnitude of an average earthquake in Israel never measures up to what's being described here, where everything falls and mountains collapse and oceans rise as mountains collapse. This is a metaphor for national peril. The pillars of a stable society are being shaken. Sennacherib is at the gate. Hundreds of thousands of Assyrian soldiers are bloodthirsty and want to commit genocide in the city of Jerusalem. Scary times. In fact, I think I've reason to believe that because when you take that language of raging oceans and mountains moving, look at verse 6. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. Could I put it like this, and I think you'll be able to identify with it? This was a 9-11 for Judah. We all know where we were. About 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 if I remember. It was June's sister Sandra living in England. 
They've been watching the British news, the BBC. She called us and said, you need to wake up. Something's going on in New York. And we all know what went on in New York. This was a 9-11 moment for Judah. And the people are beside themselves, panic, fear, anxiety. They're wondering what it all truly means. And so in the midst of this, God proves himself to be a refuge. We're looking back here. This is a celebration. And as we look back on that deliverance of Judah by God, we realize God is our refuge and strength, says the people of God. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. In the midst of the upset and the upheaval, they find a safe place. They find a refuge. They find a mighty fortress for the people of God. And it was God himself. Well, everything else is moving. They ran to the God who's immovable, who's sovereign, whose ways are perfect and whose ways are just. There was no need to fear because God remained unmoved by the commotion, by the chaos. There was no panic in heaven, only plans. And this image is repeated again and again of God being a refuge and being a stronghold. Let me give you a couple of verses that will reinforce this. Go back to Psalm 18 and verses 1 and 2. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. See, back then, there were cities and walls. You don't see that in the United States, okay? But if you go to Europe, go to Edinburgh, and you'll see the castle with the fortifications. Probably when I'm home next week, I'll take a jaunt up to Carrickfergus, a little seaside place just north of my mom and dad's home. There you'll find a castle that dates to the 13th century. It was built by John de Courcy. Something happened. We lost it. I don't know what went on there, but it was built by one of our ancestors. In fact, that's when the name de Courcy comes into Irish history. But it's right there at the mouth of the harbor at Carrickfergus because it was to defend the people from an ocean assault and to defend also from a land assault. And you know in those days, castles, fortifications were built. And when something threatened the people who were out in the village, in their homes, doing their work, out in the fields, as soon as they heard about a threat, what did they all do? They ran into the castle. They got behind the fortification. Whatever that stronghold was, Certainly in medieval times, you have these massive, beautiful stone castles dotted across Europe. And you had some measure of that back in the days of Judah and Israel. And the writer's taking that image and saying, look, we were locked up behind the walls of Jerusalem, but our trust wasn't in brick and mortar. Our trust was in Jehovah. He's our refuge. He's our stronghold. This is the image. You'll find it over in Psalm 91. Psalm 91, you know, where we read, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Is that what you've been saying to yourself this past week? When you felt besieged by issues, by circumstances, maybe by your own thoughts and fears and anxieties? Have you said to yourself, you need to, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, and you're running there. Psalm 71, go back a couple of Psalms. Psalm 71 and verse 7. I have become a wonder to many, but you, O God, I might put in there in parentheses, are my strong refuge. Look, folks, whether we're dealing with things personal, or public, 
whether national or international, there's no panic in heaven, only plans. God is sovereign. His throne has been established forever. He's working all things out after the counsel of His own will. The Father, Son, and Spirit don't meet for emergency talks on how they're going to handle CNN's breaking news because His Word stands forever. His love is steadfast. His mercy unfailing, His power, a present reality in each of our lives. He's an ever-present help. In a world that is constantly churning and turning in the wrong direction, it's great to know that God is there for us, an ever-present help in time of trouble. He doesn't take the weekend off. You don't wrap on the door of heaven only to find a sign that hangs out there, going to lunch, I'll be back in an hour. He's an ever-present help. He's eternal. He has existed in the fullness and the glory of who He is, and He is available to us in that fullness at any moment because He abides forever. In fact, it's interesting when we read here a present help, it could be translated help from of old. Help from of old. God is a timeless help, and God is a timely help. The question is, will you be still in the belief that He is God? That's where you and I need to go. We need to take refuge in who God is. We need to run there in our minds and focus upon His wisdom, His sovereignty, His mercy, His love, His patience. Because we read in Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed fixed on you. That's Philip DeCourcy reminding us that our ultimate security is found in the presence of God. You're listening to Know the Truth, and you can hear today's message again when you visit ktt.org. Now, today's study reminds us that almost everywhere we go, good is called evil, and evil is called good. So what can we do to stem the tide? Well, we hope you'll join with Know the Truth to send God's light into the darkness. And Philip is going to relate this to a bit of history. Hi, Wayne. You know my, my love of history. I incorporate historical events into, into my sermons. And, and I've often used the imagery of the Greek and Roman armies and their uh, phalanx, the way their soldiers would kind of come alongside each other. Uh, I mean, the Roman army was formidable. Soldiers would stand side by side, shield to shield, and create this wall. And I've often used that in the context of local church ministry. You know, we do more together. And what's true of uh, my church and any church Church. It's also true of this radio ministry. Um, we need our listeners uh, to join hands with us and help us to continue to uh, move forward into 2019 as 2018 comes, uh, comes to an end. Uh, we would love them to step forward and join us at the front lines of the proclamation of God's Word. We can't do it alone. We have uh, a line of troops uh, from present supporters and prayer warriors and people in our ministry, but we want that line to stretch further and further. We need an army of uh, supporters that will help us to continue to grow. Don't sit on the sidelines. Come alongside us. Join our ranks. And you can do that in a very, very practical way today. We'd ask you to consider making a donation. Sit down, write a check. Um, send something in the post. Better still, go online and connect with us at ktt.org. 
All right. Thank you, Philip. And we hope many of our listeners will step forward to give at this crucial time of year. Consider a generous year-end gift of $25, $50, even $100. Again, you can make that donation online at ktt.org or call us at 888-644-8811. You can also write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. However you choose to give, be sure to request the Just Off the Press Know the Truth Journal. We've prepared this resource as a special thank you for everyone who gives this month. Use the KTT Journal for your Christmas devotions. Or save it for note-taking in January when Philip begins a brand new series titled Total Grace. Again, the journal is yours when you make a year-end donation now at ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, signing off for today, but come back tomorrow when Philip continues his message, National Security. Same place, same time, Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. folks, I'm David Mitchell, founder and CEO of Tradeway. Tradeway has been helping thousands of Christian families take control of their finances and more importantly, their time. We offer you a powerful education in how to trade in the stock market, providing you the skill sets you need to manage your financial manager or even cut out the middleman entirely and do it yourself. The Tradeway community is unlike anything I've ever seen in my business career or even in my ministries. With Tradeway, you not only get a powerful system for trading as a business, but you get the kind of hands-on support, ongoing development, and personal community that is required to propel you forward in this journey. And we help you to do that one step at a time. Join us at the International Place Conference Center, Arlington, this Friday and Saturday. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-TRADE. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. An exciting three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.